Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Rachel Redwall. Before we get to the interview, I am going to take care of a little business right now, and that, of course, means the website, TravelTalesPodcast.com, where we're going to have some changes coming up very soon. More about that as the weeks go by, but uh, just keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. It's going to be great, but uh, it's going to look a little different, so I'm excited about that. And... If you want to write me, I can be found at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Very excited. I'm going to be traveling very soon. Going to be going with mom to Ireland. Thank you to all the people that wrote me and uh, gave me some Ireland suggestions. I got to tell you also about a new site I've heard about. And uh, I was at a travel event, Travel Massive, sponsored by our friend uh, Marianne Bean. Not really sponsored. I don't know if, yeah, sponsored. <laughs> but uh, she kind of puts these things together once a month, and I've been going. It's more of a, like a kind of a mixer of people in the travel industries. And that's actually where I met uh, Rachel, our guest today. But uh, I also met someone from uh, a website called trippy.com, T R I P P Y, which is a kind of a cool thing. I joined up on it, and it's basically kind of like a trip advisor. But, um, People who know a certain area or multiple areas really well uh, are on it, and it's a community of uh, these kind of people that if you have a question about anything travel-related and say you're going to, oh, let's take Ireland, I put something on there. You sign up, uh, you fill out a little bio. It's all free, by the way. And uh, say you're going to Ireland like I am, I'll ask a question, hey, I'm going with my mom to Ireland for 12 days. Uh, This is the route I'm thinking of taking. What do you think? And some people who are well-versed in Ireland and some actual Irish people, they uh, wrote back and just answered the questions. And it was really helpful, and it's kind of cool, and you can do it for anywhere around the world. Um, It could pick a city in America. Say you're going to Cleveland. Hey, what do I do in Cleveland? And some people who uh, are from Cleveland or know it really well will give you their suggestions. And it's actually uh, kind of a cool thing. So I'm into that. Trippy.com. Check it out. Speaking of websites, why not follow us on Facebook? at Travel Tales Podcast at Facebook. Give us a like. And we are at uh, Twitter, Travel Tales Pod at Twitter. We are on Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast. Give us a follow on all those things. And if you're following, go to iTunes. Some of you are listening to this on iTunes. I appreciate it. But uh, if you're on there, why not give us a good rating, huh? That's a nice thing to do. Not only is it nice, but it boosts our presence and helps people find the show who are looking for travel-related podcasts. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. All right, with the particulars out of the way, let's go to my chat with the lovely and charming Rachel Redwall. Enjoy. From originally Chicago. I'm from Ohio. Are you? Yeah. Where in Ohio? Dayton. Are you from? Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. I've been to Dayton. Why? <laughs> I was doing stand up there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There was a club called Jokers in Dayton. Yeah. Used to do, and there was another one, Wiley's. Yes. I, I think they're that's... both still there. Are they still there? Yeah. Yeah. No, Wiley's is for sure. Yeah. Wow, Dayton. And a friend of mine's sister or niece goes to University of Dayton. Really. 
Really? Yes. I used and to party it, there before I was of college age because it was I, so close. Yes. That I could just like run down the hill and. So here's a pretty good school. Yeah, and there's a lot of money because it's yes. a private Catholic institution, so uh-huh. it's got you know great sub shops and all the cool stuff that we didn't have in my own community. <laughs> and I'm sure it was really difficult for a uh, a girl to sneak in underage at bars. <laughs> yeah, college is known for it being hard for girls yes, to I'm get Yes, I'm sure they parties. carted you really hard yes, there. That's mm-hmm. a thing that college guys do. <laughs> yeah. So growing up in Dayton, traveling family, is that where you got the bug or Yeah, although we didn't really travel when I was growing up. I mean, it was like, you know, summer vacation you drive to Michigan. And oh, you yeah. stay at a friend's sure. old cottage, and uh, there's one store that's open for five hours <laughs> I in a know day. It. I had friends with the places in Wisconsin. Yeah, Chicago, Wisconsin. Right. Was, you yeah. went to Wisconsin or Michigan. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the kind of vacationing and exploring that I did when I was growing up. It was pretty limited. <laughs> right. But it was also affordable because there were three kids in the family. My parents, though, my dad was a traveler when he was young and i don't think i realized just how much he traveled until i was in high school and then in college and i'd start to hear more and more stories of the time in his life where he was a total vagabond and he's like oh yeah that was when i you know lived in sweden and then i got kicked out of the country and i'm like you lived <laughs> in sweden and then got, <laughs> and kicked, then got out? kicked out this wow. is news my mom was a world history teacher though oh okay so for her she was teaching world history she was teaching comparative religions I ended up having these influences or at least suggestions that would be like, the world is okay. Right. There is a world. Well, they had a bigger world view. Yeah. And without pushing it on me, I was exposed to knowing that there is a world. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So they never discouraged you or go, oh, no. no. Why would you don't go there? We're yeah, afraid that you're. scary. Well, how did you make your way out to California? I went to college in Ohio. I studied international studies and foreign languages. Ohio State? No, Miami University. My little brother's at Ohio State, I was going to say Miami of Ohio. My sister really wanted to go there badly because I guess it's really beautiful. It is. It's so quaint. And there's a bell tower and the leaves change in the autumn and you drink the Kool-Aid. You know, now were you like, <laughs> were you there when they were the Redskins or now they're Red the Red Hawks? Hawks. Okay, yes, I was there after the changeover. Also, <laughs> um, Ben Roethlisberger was no longer there, ah, but okay. he is something that people seem to know about. Right, from Miami of Ohio. Well, for I, good and bad reasons. We were in the same conference. I went to Northern Illinois. Ah, so on the Mac. Are we conference. supposed to be rivals or friends, no, nobody, or it makes no difference? No, but my I sister, I remember she loved it. And uh, I worked, I was a lifeguard in college, like in the summers, yeah. and one of the girls that uh, I worked with there was going to Miami, Ohio. Yeah. Because this is very pretty, I guess, but it my is. dad sat us down and goes, you guys can go to school anywhere if it's an Illinois State school. Yeah. And I went, well, that narrows it down. Yeah, Thanks, that so. happened to me with Ohio. I, was, I knew I was going to be paying for college, so I had to decide that I would go somewhere that I could actually eventually afford and not have <laughs> right. $500,000 in loans. It's so ridiculous. It's unfair now. It's so, yeah, so, so you graduate Miami of Ohio, and then you say, I'm going to California? Yeah, exactly. So I had an internship between junior and senior years that was with a travel company that was media-based. And oh. so I initially thought I was going to be a diplomat, and then very quickly was like, oh, I could do some good by being a storyteller instead. So by the time I was getting into my senior year of college, I was like, okay, I'll move to L.A., New York, or D.C., one of the places that is a hub for storytelling. And I narrowed it down because... sunshine sounded so (laughs) nice like you know in ohio winter i'm like i could stand 350 days of nice weather i think though you would have liked a year in new york i think everybody should live there for a year you know i worked during the summers in college at columbia and um 
loved it, but also found that I was always really like, <gasps> like I needed to breathe into a paper bag. Because if you grow up <laughs> like on tense. land in the Midwest, it's just I know, but being then trapped in the concrete it, is crazy. Just for like three months, though. You're yeah. Gonna, but after the, I always found, because I moved there for about a year and a half. I went from Chicago to New York to here. And uh, the first three months is hard. You know, you just getting around and, and just the pace. Yeah. And the, it's intense. It's but exciting. But then you settle into it. But it's, yeah, it is exciting. Yeah. And if you're single and young, you're going out all the time. And yeah. It's, it's fantastic. You never There's sleep. no better place. Yeah. You sleep in till brunch. I, you it's live in like a closet. It's you great. wake up at noon, you brunch, <laughs> you drink till 3 a.m., and then you wake up at noon and you brunch. That's still the schedule of the people that I know in New York. It's like right. it doesn't, it starts at college age and continues. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll get married and they'll move to Jersey or Connecticut or something. Brunch somewhere else. Exactly. Um, so you came out here. And from what I've only read in your bio, and what we've only met once briefly, um, you're a TV producer. Mm-hmm. And so what were some of the shows that we would know that you've worked on? Ice Road Truckers. Oh, wow. So, Axemen. Deadliest Catch. This is all in Alaska? Wars, a lot of it, yeah. So I shot on four shows in Alaska. Because once you're branded as being able to not die... Yeah, and then not you complain. Get, yeah, and then you get hired on to more Alaska shows. So those were shows oh. for History Channel, Discovery, and National Geographic. I've watched uh, Ice, like Deadliest Catch, and to me, as someone who gets seasick, yeah, that sounds that just looks like the worst job I could even imagine shooting that show. It is even for people who don't get seasick. Oh. People come back after their three weeks or their five weeks or whatever, and they're like, "I'm never doing that again. That's horrible and difficult, and I almost died a thousand times." And then once a few months or a year roll around, they're like, "Jones, and to get back on the boats, really? Yeah, oh, oh yeah." So then the same people that I've worked with who went up one year and said they'd never go back we'll go back and back and back and then it becomes part of the lifestyle well give me the idea of like the shooting on the ship so you're on this uh, you're on a fishing boat they are i were you post on them oh you didn't go on the boat i went out to dutch harbor but only to help with the beginning of a season i don't have a death wish okay that's what i mean i was like in the trucks for ice road truckers and we covered Twenty thousand miles in three months. See, and man, that like just that. seems boring. But to me, yeah, I mean, it's like okay, I'm sitting in a cab, and you know, it, it is dangerous. My trucker crashed; he ran off the road. It was oh, God. not great. But but there, it's like ninety nine percent of the time, nothing. But happening. I didn't have to worry about getting seasick no. and drowning and oh. all of the things that are most terrible about seventy five percent of the Earth. Yes. So how big <laughs> I love a- the ocean, except when I <laughs> yeah. have to be on it and it's cold. How big of a crew is on the boat? There are usually two producer shooters. So okay. you'll on all the shows that I worked on, producers are also camera operators, camera ops or directors of photography also are able to produce. And then usually everybody's doing their own audio because you don't have enough space for a specific audio person. So if you have two producer shooters on one boat, they're going all the time and they're always on call or on deck or recording and rolling. And then you have a bunch of different deck cams that are in the cabin that are posted in different parts of the ship that are rolling at all times so that if for some reason you're not actually there shooting when something happens, you still have it on tape. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is this sounds like how, like how how many days in a row are they out there? Oh, weeks, many weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Because it depends on the fishing season, and it depends on different elements. But there are two different 
seasons. So there's king crab season and opelio crab season. One begins October, one begins in January. And there are people I know who go out for three weeks, but there are others that I feel like we're gone five and six weeks at a time. And then they come off, um, offload into Dutch Harbor and then they'll go back out. Okay. So I'm picturing this. I've been to Alaska before. Yeah. I did uh, I did a club in, in Anchorage actually a long time ago. But uh, I'm trying to imagine you up there. So you're up there. Yeah. There's this blonde gal coming up from California. Yeah. There's two women up there yeah. in the state. Sometimes one. <laughs> yeah. You doubled the population when you got yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, how comfortable was that for you? And uh, did you get by okay? Yeah. Well, I grew up with brothers. Okay. So I'm actually sometimes better off hanging out with men than women because I have like spent so much time around the dude energy that that <laughs> sense of humor and that sense of communication makes sense to me. Uh, on ice road truckers though, it's like you're, <laughs> you look like the Michelin man. You are wearing so many layers that at first glance, I don't know if anyone could tell what your gender is. I mean, I'm <laughs> maybe considerably shorter than everybody yeah, else out they there. Can, they can sniff you out. There's I'm some sure. animal sense that happens, and, <laughs> yeah. but it ended up being like, you know, one part challenging because it drew extra attention and one part beneficial because it drew extra attention. It meant that I was allowed to do certain things. Like I got to fly planes. I don't think I would have been allowed to technically on the Nat Geo show, but I'd be like, so can I just fly this real quick? You (laughs) know, and it's a show about bush pilots and they're like, yeah, here, this is how you do it. So I don't think... That I could have just asked those questions and gotten as many yeses where I do because they'd be like, no, man, this is my job. Yeah. But it really is kind of the, yeah, as they say, the last frontier. Yeah. It's right on their license plate. And because it's, yeah. I never saw a cop the entire time yeah. we were up there. <laughs> and we, we would meet these guys and they would tell these stories of like, I can't believe you're getting away with that. We worked with these guys. Uh, it was one comic I had worked with there before. He had been there before, and he was going out with these guys, and they would go on this frozen river, Yeah, and they were taking uh, sticks of dynamite and whipping them down the ice and watching it explode <laughs> and watch the ice shards in the moonlight. Yeah, he's like, it looked. It's like, isn't this illegal? But it's who's there yeah, to like, stop you? And their motto was like, it's Alaska, man. Yeah, anything goes. It's like who's <laughs> it's Alaska? There's no one for a hundred miles. There's, who's gonna know? Yes, there's bullet holes and all the like road signs yeah. and stuff that just drive by and yeah. fire at them. And yeah, I mean, it's it's. I worked on Axemen off the coast of Alaska, and so we spent three months on an island called Prince of Wales Island off the Panhandle. Uh, It was during the summertime, so it wasn't working in the Arctic like ice roads, but it was, you know, kind of chilly and rainy most of the year, and we would get up at 3 or 4 a.m., and then we would commute by little tiny boat out to the islands where the loggers were working and where they'd set up camp, and... The population on the islands we were working on, it was comprised entirely of bears. I mean, it's like black bears and then us. And then we go home for the night and the black bears stay where they live. So who's going to stop you? Usually no one if you're doing something weird. But also you want to be hyper vigilant because if it's you and bears and negative 35 and things like that, it's a really easy place to make a mistake that becomes fatal were there any uh, bear or animal encounters you remember lots but none that were threatening okay. there i mean usually the bears did not care about us at all and black bears aren't scary i've seen grizzlies too thankfully from within 
vehicles or from afar. Those are the ones you don't want to run across and, you know, you don't want to meet when they're hungry. But a black bear usually is like, whatever, man. I'm just eating some blueberries. (laughs) But you got to lock up all your food and everything else. You got to like your garbage and Right. So I did camping and backpacking up there and stuff too. And you got a bear bag where you hang your food from a tree and you've got to make sure that it's x amount of feeder yards from your camp and then it can't be where the river is because you don't want your food to get into the river and then you know all the human smells filter into the water and so you have to be aware and they can break into cars too they can tear car doors (laughs) off i've seen the videos man it is so scary so did you you said you hiked and did you uh did you do uh McKinley, the big... Uh, no, no. Denali, I guess it's called. Yeah, right? both. Yeah. yeah, Denali being the native name and mm-hmm. McKinley being... The white man name. White man name. Yeah. Uh, no, although I've seen it. And I feel lucky just having seen it because she's very shy that mountain. She doesn't really <laughs> raise her skirts that often. And so if you get to see it, it's a really beautiful, clear day. But I've been snowshoeing and stuff up alongside on other mountains in Denali National Park and happened upon sleeping moose and things like that. But you have to be a technical climber to do Denali. Oh, really? And it's I'm not like a... Not. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I like hiking, but no, that's... Yeah. That's a Yeah, when hiking business. becomes vertical, Are th- is I'm it not like very good at it. Ice and... Uh, like I wall climbing so. and that kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, it's technical climbing. So... Yeah, that's tough. That's where... I hang back. And moose and are huge. Snacks. Moose are huge. They're giants. Yeah, moose are Those huge. Are, yeah, they're frightening. Yeah, they are. You, you don't want to see one out and about and be too close because they could just sneeze and you'd fly <laughs> away. So do you still do that or are you out of the uh, producing business? I do still produce, although I've been doing a lot of story producing in recent years, which means that the show is shot, I receive the footage, and then I craft the episode, and right. then I work with an editor to actually make the episode all come together. So for recent shows, I did a survivalist show for the Weather Channel Okay, called Fat Guys in the Woods. <laughs> It was Are they naked? Awesome. Please tell me they're wearing clothes. They're at least wearing this one. clothes. Okay. Yeah. Because my friend worked on that naked. My friend worked on that naked that naked and frayed one. Yeah, I went in for that. I was asked to go on that and I ended up very glad that there was a conflict of dates because the next thing I heard, one of the executive producers ended up like in the Panamanian jungle with a snake bite and his foot oh, swelled that. up to the point of almost falling off his body or something. And I was like, ah, I'm going to do storage wars right now. <laughs> so was this conscious effort for you to get off the road and, and do more post-story produ- producing? Yeah. That kind of stuff? Yeah, because I think that to be a good storyteller, to be the consummate storyteller, you have to actually understand all the parts of the process. So if I were only doing field work... It's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah, I got all the story. It was awesome. I shot everything. And then the person in post is going, they almost got it all, but they don't realize there are elements that are missing. Or you could be in post, right? And you're a story producer and you're like, oh, it seems like it should have been so easy for this field producer to get this shot or get this moment or the sound bite. But if they've never worked in the field, they don't know what it's actually like to be able to record and document the story, to interact with the subjects, to be a part of the environment. So... I think to be a good storyteller, you have to understand every angle of the story. And that was something that I wanted to do. So how long before you get tired of this and want to get back on the road? Well, (laughs) it's always a fine balance. Right. Yeah, I always want to be on the road. Every time that I'm in the edit bay, I'm like, oh, I'd rather be in the field. But then 
Then you see that boat on the water yeah. in Alaska, and you go, maybe right. I don't want to But then be when I'm out there for three months, sometimes I'm ready to get home pretty quickly, too. So it just depends on the moment. Right. But I'm also doing a lot of on-camera hosting, so I'm hosting and producing a digital travel series right now, which is nice because it gives me opportunities to travel in a more bite-sized way. So I could be gone for five days or two weeks or something like that. And it's been a lot of tropical destinations, which is really different than negative 55. Mm -hmm. Are you doing this (laughs) on your own or is this like for a your own site or yeah exactly so i have uh, what site would that be we could plug right now <laughs> it's called how to travelers number how to two travelers. yep and we have a youtube channel and so how i to work travelers. yeah i work with a partner andrea fetchko who's another on-camera host and a producer okay and so the two of us are the how to travelers Gotcha. And we'll teach number you. Two. Yeah, number two. Okay. And so if you're on Twitter or YouTube, it's backslash and then all one word, H-O-W-2 travelers. So how did like the Whole Foods people or anybody that find you guys to do this? We work with a management company that represents the channel. So we have the opportunity to work with a lot of cool different companies that are running campaigns. Sony Action Cam was something that we were able to work with recently. Oh, wow. So we'll work with different brands that need an outlet, different tourism boards that want to share their story. And we have different ways of doing that. We share travel tips. So it's a great place for products, food and drink from around the world. So we could work with Whole Foods at the launch of their new healthy cooking channel um bucket list adventures we've worked with a lot of tourism boards to shoot pieces with them whether it's scuba diving or electric bikes or you know jumping off of things that are very tall and then the last monday of the month we have an episode that we call go or no and in that we highlight the world's top travel destinations and they're only places that Andrea and I have both been to. So we'll review the city and we'll give you the guide of the things to do and see and where to eat and stay and shop and all of that. Then at the end we tell you whether we think you should go or no. Mm-hmm. Which is something that gets people riled up when they watch it. They're like, how could anyone say no to my home city? That's pretty tough to do though. I mean, I, I've done the same things. Usually when I review a place it's like if, I, if it's a no, I don't review it. Right. It's easy for right, me to just ignore it. you don't want to make enemies, too, exactly. right? Yeah. What, what were some of the no's? Well, I tend to say yes to most places because I feel me like too. the world's I really go exciting. Yeah. yeah. I said no to San Francisco. How? As many times as I've been, it's always expensive, snooty, and horrible to drive and park. And it's like, well, I can yeah. love lots of things about it. I like the fact it. you don't drive. I can like lots of things about it, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of work. What do you like? What, what do you hate about walking? I love walking. Well, then what's wrong with San Francisco then? It's a very walkable city. See, this is exactly why people really connect with Go or No. Because they want to know what we have to say. Andrea said no to Buenos Aires. She said no to San Juan. I love Buenos Aires. We both said yes to Sydney and to Tokyo. Although I I subtracted a half of a go from Sydney because it was so expensive. And so it takes so much to get there. Number one, if you're coming from the States, it's expensive and it's time consuming. And then I was traveling there in college and couldn't afford anything. And so it was really difficult in to college, be able to I couldn't do afford anything. a sandwich though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I especially couldn't afford sandwiches in Sydney. I but remember t- them being like $20 yeah, for but then a you, sandwich. But then you said yes to Tokyo. Tokyo is one of the most expensive places in the I world. I didn't find Tokyo very expensive, Are but then crazy? again, I'm not in college anymore. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, these are... These yeah, you got to figure out what budget you're working with. Yes. I mean, you... Yeah, totally. So it's it's well, not our you have a perspective job. of the world. Can you go back to San Francisco? Give it one more Yeah, chance? I mean, I was just there and I was just shooting there. That was when I gave it a no. 
Uh, and my brother you. lives there. I know. I know. He didn't feel that betrayed. Mm. We've been at odds since mm-hmm. day one. So, so when, <laughs> when you go to shoot these places, is, is it just you or do you bring any kind of crew or... Or is it just you? It's all it, you. It depends. So if we're, for example, we were in Cabo with the tours and board there, and it was the two of us, and we were shooting one another and ourselves and the episodes that we were shooting there, or Napa, or we were actually just in Ventura doing like a beachside sort of vacation shoot, and that was a great time. But then also over the course of time, Andrea and I have had really unique and very different opportunities shooting around the world. So she's leaving tonight for Tokyo because she shoots there a couple times a year usually or once a year at least. Um, And so Andrea, for example, she was in Croatia And she goes to Tokyo and she goes to Buenos Aires as the host of Ultra Music Festivals Worldwide, which is this big EDM festival. I was just in Croatia. They were talking about that. Were you? Yeah. So she's their on-camera host for all their festivals and she's been to Seoul with them and she's got all these different adventures in the works where she'll be able to create a video, say, where she's jumping off a pirate ship off the coast of Croatia with really famous DJs. And that can mm-hmm. be its own video where, because she was there, because she had a camera, we have a video. Or she shot a commercial with Ken Watanabe. I love him. Oh, from uh, the movies. He was just in Godzilla, but he uh, <laughs> he right. also was in Last Samurai. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's awesome. So she shot a commercial with him, and we were able to create an episode when Godzilla was released all around her time shooting a commercial with Ken Watanabe at the original Godzilla Studios in Tokyo. Okay. So she and I have had totally distinct experiences that sometimes we're able to shoot together, and other times we can bring stories from our outside opportunities to how-to travelers. And how long's how-to travelers been going on? Exactly a year. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's gone pretty quick. Yeah. So it's been around for a year. We have 50-some episodes that we've released, and it's been really exciting. So is it one a week? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Every Monday. Every Monday. Every Monday. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So eventually is the goal that you want to do that full-time for... For you, or are you doing it full time, basically? No. Well, right now. Well, you're story producing as well. Exactly. So we're beginning conversations with production companies about creating either a series that is how to traveler specific or a format based around the two of us working together. So whether it's borrowing an idea that already exists on our series or creating something new for the two of us, those are conversations that we're having with production companies. And those production companies are looking to create travel content for different networks. So the good news is we're exactly where we'd like to be, which is starting to talk about how to translate this to an even larger audience. And the audience that we have that we love already, we want to bring with us and then have more people who can enjoy the world as a result of a larger platform. Okay. So on a personal level... Yeah. Where have you been recently that you love? And uh, where are your favorite places of all time? Ooh, all time. Ooh. I, can, I can never pick just one. I know. I hope you're ready your for like five. 11. Um, so where have I been recently? I was in St. Thomas and St. John, Aruba, Cabo, Napa, and Costa Rica in the last couple of months, which were all great places. I've been to Costa Rica a few times. I worked with Four Seasons Hotels down there shooting all their promos. Let me just go ahead and give a shout out to Four Seasons. Hey, thanks for um, the nicest shoot that I've ever been on because I'm used to ice road truckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anytime you need seasons. Costa Rican Four Seasons promo videos, I'll be there. Where in Costa Rica was it? Um, that was in Peninsula Papagayo. So it's on the Pacific coast, kind of yeah. toward the north. 
and okay. really beautiful. I was at Nosara, which is kind of up there. It's like I know Nicoya the Peninsula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up Very close. The, yeah. I've been there a couple times. I was also shooting with the tourism board in Arenal and things like that, yeah, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And so I loved all those places. It was a really kind of warm weather travel year where... I was all of a sudden getting to go places with clear blue water that were, mm-hmm. you know, really elegant. And the favorite places that I've ever been, though, one is Kenya. I was just there in February. All right. First time. Well, I did Kilimanjaro. Right, right, right. And which is where I'm going in February. So I'll go to Tanzania and Zambia in a couple of months. Um, Kenya and Uganda, I really liked both. And connected with both. But Kenya, I had an opportunity to spend more time and actually get to know people on the ground. And I spent a couple weeks with just the kindest, most open, wonderful, happy people that I've ever met. And when you travel, you're often exposed to people that have a lot and then people that have very little. And I find that the people who have the least give the most. And... The people that I met in the particular region of Kenya where I was were a prime example of people who might not have had a lot of things, a lot of stuff, and they were also some of the most welcoming, kind, amazing people that I've ever met. And they would give you everything just to welcome you into their family. Where in Kenya were you? I was in um, a place called Darajambili, which was super tiny, and it was near Kisumu, which is slightly larger town or city i actually don't know what the population would be there but it was a couple hours from nairobi okay so the kilimanjaro trip yeah is this uh for are you do, doing something for the like the travel board or something or this is for it? my honeymoon oh congratulations thank you it's maybe not the single sexiest trip that's ever existed for but, honeymoon but, but it's going to be a Badass Aren't you going to tie in like a nice safari before? Yeah, or after? with tented camps. Yeah, so you're gonna, yeah, are you going to glamp totally it up? Totally like out of are Africa. Are you glamping? Yeah, uh, I think one night is glamping. I think okay. a couple of them are little tiny inns along the way. Yeah, those are nice. I would like to glamp more if possible. I'm like, sure. oh, save me from the lions, <laughs> you know. But the, yeah, that'll be the the trip in February, which should be really really cool. And I have not been on safari ever. So for having spent a little bit of time in East Africa, that was something that I wanted to do the entire time. I just didn't have the opportunity. So to go back is going to be really cool. I did it the week before the climb. And then, but you know, it was more of like a rougher kind of camping yeah. kind of thing. I mean, so you, well, right, and the climb is all rougher and camping, right? So uh, yeah, you're, I did the the one with the the route with the cabins the huts. oh right so that was your huts. glamping yeah, i'm doing yeah. the one with the tents and that wasn't that wasn't fancy either yeah but um i think after a week of the tents i was like yeah i'm ready for a hut now this is we're doing the opposite but yeah the the good thing about the order in which we're doing it is we also then don't have to do much work at you're the doing tail the end. hike first yeah and okay. we're doing an eight day ascent okay just give your uh Give your body a couple time or maybe a couple days to like just the time change alone i mean I you gotta you got to ease into the climb because if I, I was like jet lagged on the first few days of the climb, I think that would have sucked. So I had already been yep. there a week or more right. by the time I started the climb. And so my, Your body wasn't my sleep as angry. Was, yeah. Well, my <laughs> sleep was okay. So when I lay down at night, I could sleep. Yeah. It's hard enough sleeping at altitude anyway. Yeah. And you're the exact opposite side of the world. And I remember yeah. the first time around going to Kenya being like, this is really hard and confusing <laughs> to change like 10 or 12 hours. Yeah. Are you going to do the Ngorogoro Crater? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And the Serengeti. 
Yeah, that's where I camped for for a week, and uh, you're gonna see all, all the animals. It's gonna that's be awesome. So great, yeah. So it can be a little crowded sometimes. Yeah, that's what I've heard, especially during the months that they recommend traveling. Of course, where they say that the climate will be a little bit better, a little drier, the or dry not season, as cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was yeah, it was February, so it'll be the same time. So I mean, I got to see, I saw bl- black rhinos, which are really rare Ooh. now. They said we were really lucky to see them yeah. because uh, there's not many left. There's like a dozen left. How do you know they didn't just paint some rhinos? Maybe they, <laughs> they put a little a decoy <laughs> way out there. It was far away. It could have like, been. Look, it wasn't a moving rhino. a whole lot. It wasn't moving a whole lot <laughs> now, now that, that I think, think about, about it. it. Hmm. <laughs> Are you going to get the Zanzibar at all? I don't know. That's something that I've been thinking about. That's a very about. kind of couple's place. It's good yeah. for couples. Well, actually, so what I've read about it, though, is you're not allowed to be, you're not supposed to be holding hands and things like that in public because it well, is Well, it's very Muslim, Muslim once you get there. I mean, you really you really notice it, even coming from like where Kilimanjaro is and, right. and Goro Goro Crater. I mean, you get there and it's like, oh, yeah, the, the outfits are different. There's mosques everywhere right. and you really get that vibe. Which is why I heard that the architecture and the colors there, everything's incredibly beautiful. Yeah, but town, also yeah. it might be a little tricky on a honeymoon. No, no, no. Or we I mean, want to like hold hands once. Well, I, I know a great little hotel <laughs> yeah. that you're, uh, you know, they, you're a Westerner. They're yeah. not going to... You know, as long as you're respectful and, you know, you right. don't walk around in your bikini. Right. You know. Right. I've been <laughs> you to. You know, but enough not to do that. But. Yeah. I've been to places where you are technically allowed to wear a bikini that are in that part of the world. And it's still yeah. a really bad idea. And then you look like a Russian walking yeah. around. Yeah. Like you have no idea. <laughs> Wearing your high heels you and a bikini no, yeah. walking through the mosque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have seen that. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, is this uh, gentleman, is he a uh, TV producer as well? No, he's the normal human. Oh, good for you. Good call I on know, that. Right? Good call on that. Yeah, yeah. It makes us both better <laughs> that he's <laughs> not in the same bizarre world. Right. Uh, he works in energy efficiency. Oh, okay. And we met overseas a number of years ago, but then we started dating. Long distance? Long distance because he tough. was living in Alaska and I was sent up there for work. He was oh. living in a cabin in the woods in Alaska, which was great because for me the odds were in my favor. It's like, well, you it's know, cold. It's you know not full of women up there. No, well, you know what the Alaskan women say. You know, say yeah, the odds are good, but the, but goods, the goods are, are odd. odd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> this is going <laughs> to sound horrible. One of the things that I thought was so funny when I would go up to Alaska. Is that all my guy colleagues would be like, prepare, you know, prepare to go to Alaska and be an Alaskan 10. Come back. You'll be like an America four. You know, <laughs> you're like, all right, I'm First about all, to be a yeah. 10 for a while. And Give it's just such a, a little good joke. Here. It, it's such a good joke because like an Alaska 10, if you're female, you're pretty close to well, a 10 well, in we some talk, parts of the state. Oh, my God. We, we talked to, um, well, uh, a lady who danced for a living. At the Let's Alaska Bush Company? <laughs> I don't remember. Because that's a place in Anchorage. No, I'm, there's more than one. But they were saying just how they would fly up for like a certain season. And uh, they would make so much money because, I mean, these guys, they either work in the fishing industry right. or, the, or the pipeline. Or in oil. Or, or, yep. or in oil. Yep. And uh, they make a bunch of money. Yep. I mean, they may only work like six months or something. But, right. But when they get back into town, uh, they, there's no, nothing to spend it on. They, right. There's nothing to do. And uh, yep. they throw Except around party. money, and there's a lot of drugs and alcohol. A lot, yes. of, lot of drugs. Yes. I was surprised at how much. I was too. The first time I was really to Dutch Harbor, I was sad. like, what? Yeah. Yeah, they're just bored. Right. They're just bored. That much money, and you've almost died like 30 times a yeah. day. You probably just want to go. They're like sailors on steam, shore right? leave. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah, when you're offloading a bunch of fish or whatever, you just go home, you know you made a bunch of cash, or you didn't, so you party. <laughs> I know. It's a tough life. It really kind of is. Very. Yeah. yeah. I'm not... No. It's so, very. So your uh, fiance. Yep. How long was he living in this cabin up in the middle of woods? Three years. Three years. Uh huh. Like yeah. near how? What was the closest town? Fairbanks. Okay. So he was in the oh, center of the state. Yeah. So I had been sent up for deadliest catch and flew through Fairbanks on my way out there, and we hadn't seen each other in a couple years at that point. But his first year, he was living in a, a dry cabin. A dry Which cabin. means no running water. So he was living in this one-room cabin that had a little loft with a mattress in it and then an outhouse and no shower or anything like that. He'd have to shower. He had a gym membership so that he could shower. It's a very Alaskan experience. And then by the time, though, I visited Fairbanks, he had running water, but it was still an outhouse sort of a deal. There was no toilet inside. So when it's negative 30 and you got a whiz. That impresses the ladies. Yeah, right? Come on up to my place. I'm like, I hope you don't expect me yeah. to shave my legs, because yeah. every time I go outside, I'm going to get goosebumps. Oh, and if you're going to use a toilet, take this shotgun with you, because yeah. there might be bears yeah. along the way. Yeah, well, the first time that I stayed at that cabin, I went out at like 5 a.m. to use the outhouse, and then there was what I was convinced was a wild dog in the path, and it was barking madly at me, and I'm like, this is not the way that I die. I was so afraid of this dog, and when I told him, he's like, that's the neighbor's dog. It's the nicest animal in the neighborhood. I'm like, you're a jerk. I feel like i almost no died. it's a werewolf yeah <laughs> um yeah. so uh how about asia i mean you've been there much I mean, uh-huh. yeah okay. i've been there a few times so the um uh, your first... top place in asia mm. that's tricky i would say i'm looking at the map behind yeah, okay. your head i got an atlas over there if you need a yeah idea. <laughs> i would say Probably Thailand. Yeah. I know it's an easy answer, but it's also a place where I've spent the most time. I've been back a couple times for various shoots and had a chance to see different regions of the country. And every time, it was a place that was really easy to love. The people are wonderful and warm and elegant. And the architecture is beautiful and the food is awesome. Yeah, and For the food alone, I'll go there. Yeah, it's really hard to be mad in Thailand. <laughs> I <know. laughs> So I also, I mean, I, I loved traveling in Vietnam, taking a train from... Saigon up to Hanoi and just doing like a couple days in in the train and you know sleeping in the sleeping cars and stuff like that and you get to see the whole coast it's almost like if you were to do the train from LA up to San Francisco you did the train I did the bus Ooh, the sleeping bus which by the way are not built for uh, giant uh, white men (laughs) oh you're yeah don't don't make that mistake you don't look like you're the right I did not uh, cram myself in there well it was it was not a good night's sleep we had some sleeping compartment friends strangers that were in you know this it's like a four bunk thing yeah and they were the loudest noodle eaters i just remember like (laughs) waking up to them eating noodles and it was so loud but i you know Seemed like they were enjoying it. <laughs> the loudest noodle eaters. Yeah, sounded like they were having fun, though. Quiet noodle eaters. <laughs> um, country or city? That... Oh, my God, Japan. Oh, I can't even believe I just, sorry. You just I... glossed over Japan. Yeah, well, it's, it's, to me, is a world apart. Something about Japan is so magic to me that it didn't even factor into that realm of the world. It's on another planet. <laughs> Japan is maybe surpassing Thailand is my favorite. I went there last fall, and... I expected to have a harder time because for me as a blonde traveler, there's about 2% of the world where I fit in, right? Right. 
So, and I studied languages, but most of them are romance languages. And so it's like, great, I'm going to go a place where I don't look like anyone. I know nothing of the alphabet or the language. This will be the typical challenging travel scenario. That's just what I expected. Not true. It was the easiest place to travel because people were kind and welcoming and there was a great system where everything was organized and there's a culture of respect. So I never felt threatened. Oh, I never no, felt yeah. unsafe. It was like I, I was just blown away. And then I got to enjoy all the things that I thought I'd enjoy, which I mean, every meal that I had, I would eat every meal would be Japanese if I could. <laughs> oh, really? And I didn't even realize that. I, even all I the weird too. stuff. I knew I liked some things, ramen and sushi. Those are definite go to's. But like the weird stuff, too. I'm in. <laughs> yeah give me a uh, city or country you're okay if you never go back to ever again good question montevideo never been i went through there at the beginning of a trip and the first time through was really fun and the second time through was really a lot less fun it was one of those things where I was going this to is uruguay correct? yeah exactly so i was going to be traveling in uruguay and in argentina and actually, I wasn't planning on going to Montevideo, and then it ended up being a cheaper fare, right? So I'm like, oh, I'll buy the ticket that's cheaper. I was using Air Miles or something. And then I found out that serendipitously, a colleague that I worked on a show in Alaska with was going to be passing through Montevideo at the exact same date for like one night. So it also happened to coincide with their carnival kickoff celebrations. And for all these reasons, it was great. It was like a friend that I hadn't seen since the Alaskan bush and um, then Carnival and it all seemed great and it was a brief visit. When I returned, it the energy had died down. It wasn't as celebratory and it became a lot more sketchy for a traveler that doesn't look like she's Uruguayan. And there was a moment where my friend and I who were both there, uh, she's somebody that I got a degree in Spanish within college in Ohio – she and I were almost mugged in broad daylight on like a very popular promenade and we were chased down by a bunch of dudes who – I had left my purse and everything at home because I knew it to be an area where if you look like you were a target, they were going to go for you. But at the end of the day, we were running and running and running and we had to run across like large lanes of traffic to get away and the only thing that stopped these guys seconds from getting to us – was an old shirtless fisherman dude with a taser. He had a taser just on him? Like in his jorts. <laughs> he just whipped out a taser and he got him. Now what does that say and about the town when this guy has to walk around with a taser? An old fisherman. Yeah, right. But he, he totally saved us. And oh, so, that's great. Yeah, it was one of those things where I think that it's good that I had a positive experience there too on the front end. It wasn't all negative, but... I don't need to go back. Right, right. What about you? Oh, well, just uh, I can say Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah. If you're going through the airport, it's uh, a real big city. don't transfer through that airport. Just don't. Avoid it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Nairobi I just, I just wasn't a, that awesome. Nairobi's not that. Uh, none of the cities, I'm not counting South Africa. South Africa's different. Um, but I, there are none of the cities really in Africa that I can think of. If you're in Africa, you want to be in the country. Mm. I liked Kampala in Uganda. There were some spots that were super sketchy, but I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, there's spots in any city that are sketchy. Of course. There's spots like right near my apartment 
in Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. that are super sketchy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Nairobi is affectionately referred to as Nairobi for yeah. a reason. It's rough. It's yeah. rough. I saw, like, I remember in my tour of uh, India. Mm-hmm. Have you been to India? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, there were some blonde women in our group, mm-hmm. and... Uh, it was hard. For, I felt for them, you know, just going around. I mean, even though they were with us in, in a group, yep. just the stares and the, uh, you know, the attention was really creepy. I had a real a... rough time in India and I was traveling with my partner, Todd, and it was, I wear a fake wedding ring whenever I'm traveling and... Which now you don't have to wear a fake yeah. wedding ring. <laughs> Shoot. Now I got the real thing. <laughs> no, it was like, it, it was just, it didn't matter. I was subject to all kinds of attention and groping constantly it's like really really oh groping yeah i'm like i've traveled all over and usually especially if i'm with a male or with other people i don't have to worry about that but there are places where i've traveled alone where i have to be hyper vigilant and i'm subject to the same kind of unwanted advances or physical contact that's happened a fair amount but in india it happened regardless of the company that i kept i was just like really what were your thoughts on India? I, I I have mixed thoughts. It was it's a hard place. Yeah, it's a hard. Yeah, that's what I tell people. You know what? It's hard. That's what I say too. If you're open, I mean, it's. Uh, but I found the cities to be really oppressive. Uh huh. And once I got out of them, I could breathe a little bit and go. Oh, right. Okay, but there shouldn't be a billion people in one place anywhere. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> it really it's should. a it's a place where everybody's in survival mode because there are so many people and everybody has to make it work. So I would say first and foremost to anybody who's thinking of going to India, just don't think it'll be a vacation. As long as you know that it won't be your vacation, you won't like recharge, then you're on the right track. Unless you're doing it super, super high end. I mean, there's some beautiful five star, like some of the best hotels in the world. Sure. If you had like a guided tour where you never had to leave the tour bus, I'm sure you wouldn't. You're on an island, you know, basically. Yeah. You wouldn't be a part of India You could be anywhere. Yeah. Right. (laughs) There's a lot of beauty and the culture had attracted me for a really long time. And so there's a lot to appreciate. But sometimes when you're tired and you're hungry and you don't look like everybody else there, it's hard to appreciate it because you're subjected to just, you know, heat or city grime or unwanted attention or lots of smells. And poverty and filth. Right. Yeah. So when, like you said, though, when you get out of the city, there's an opportunity to feel for a minute like you can kind of take a deep breath and be a part of it. And so one of my favorite places that I've traveled in Asia was Udi, which is a district where they grow a lot of tea. There are a bunch of tea plantations and eucalyptus farms and things like that. And it's in the southeast and it's inland and it was so sublimely beautiful and people were really welcoming and it, it wasn't like they had to be as much in survival mode. And so you could appreciate nature and humanity and traveling and all the things that you hope to connect with on a day-to-day basis. It's just much harder to appreciate things when you're crammed in with a bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, I remember going through, I don't know if you had this experience in Vietnam as well, because I was there, I was in uh, Hanoi, and I was walking around uh, a park, and yeah. I was looking at just some stuff, and somebody, this girl came out of nowhere, and just, you know, very nice, and asked if she could take a photo with me. Oh, and yeah. I went, 
Yeah. Well, all right. And so we took a photo, and that was like once people saw I was cool with it. Yeah. That was like the oh. green light, and they started coming out of everywhere. That happened to me in China. Men, women, and yeah. just want to take photos. Yeah. And just like, you don't know me. Yeah. What are you going to show this to your friends? Me. Look, you sound like at, Maury. Yeah. No. Look at my giant white friend here. Yeah. Is that, did you get that? I mean, I was there was girls yeah. in our group, uh, the blonde girls, that would yeah. ask them like give them their babies to hold <laughs> and take yeah. a photo of them holding their baby. Yeah. So that happens a She's lot. She's not in magic. China. She's just blonde. It She's happened white... in Japan too. Although the culture of kind of respect and deference yeah. for other people makes everybody more shy and eyes downcast and things like that. In China, it was just like I was. Um, a weird alien to them and so anywhere that i went people would get be like can i take a photo with you or worse there was no opportunity to connect they'd just start taking pictures and he'd be like ah this is hard to enjoy myself because you keep taking pictures next to my head (laughs) and then um i was in rural china for a couple weeks and it was so strange because I would try to communicate with what basic Chinese I had learned. And I knew that my tones were pretty good in terms of like um, Chinese is really hard for English speakers because oh, yeah. it's all the tones, right? I knew for my basic, basic Chinese that I was doing okay. But I would try to say what basic Chinese I knew to people out there in rural China and they wouldn't even respond. They would just stare at me with their mouths open like, what are you? You are weird. <laughs> so I one day, though, I have this picture that I really like where all these businessmen asked to take a picture of me. And I was like, I was really dusty and gross. In and China. Like, yeah. And I was wearing, you know, like the zip off pant short sure. things and a tank top. Very hot. That was like, it was all really not working <laughs> for me. But they still wanted a picture because I looked so different. And I remember being like, you know what? I'm going to start taking pictures too. So I'm like, here, give them my camera. I'm going to get a picture too. And I have this picture where for that moment at least I look like I'm having a lot of fun. Because I'm like, ha, I got you too, dudes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It takes some getting used to though. Because it's like I only blend in in Sweden and Switzerland and Germany. Exactly. Germany. It's the places (laughs) that have my heritage. Do people uh, ask you, do people assume maybe you're European first before American? Yeah. So I remember the first time that I was traveling overseas was in Europe. And you could pass. You could you could be Scandinavian or German, right? So I remember walking around the streets of Italy, and all these Italian men would be like, "Scandinavia," and I'd shake my head no, and they'd be like, "California," and I'd shake my head no because I still didn't live in LA. Right? You know, I was like, Fraulein. "Ohio, yeah, <laughs> right." Munich, yeah, Germany. <laughs> so now I can actually nod my head, yes, California. But <laughs> favorite spot in Europe? Give mm, me a country: Edinburgh, Scotland. Like, really? Yeah, something about it. Most people say magic. Italy real quick. Yeah, well, I, and Spain would also be up there. I studied in each of those countries for um, a short time, and Edinburgh just has this weird magic about it that I can't explain, so it's that much more potent, the feeling that I have, which is why then I went back to study there, because I was like, you know, I don't know when else I'll go back and live there. And they had a great international business school at St. Andrews. Uh, How long were you there? Just for a semester, but I knew that I could get really good courses there, and it would be a chance to live there for, you know, a moment in time, and so... That'd be great. Oh, I love it. I only went up... I was there once, uh, but I was there during the Fringe Festival. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it's a little chaos. I've heard such good things. It's a little bit chaotic. Um, I'd like to go back when it wasn't happening, just to see it kind of more mellow. I love it. It's so fascinating, because 
it has an old city and a new city and they sit and face each other across this river and each one has so much energy and it's just a place where you feel so many things at once that you can't explain so you're like all right i can go with this (laughs) yeah okay well to uh we should start wrapping this up now so um what do you think all this travel has taught you and how has it changed you as a person and how you treat other people or look at the world Travel has taught me that for all the ways that were really different, that are fascinating or interesting or weird or scary, depending on who you're asking, there are more ways that are more important where we're actually the exact same. I mean, it's like everybody is born, lives, dies. There is the process of new life and then losing things that you love. Everybody wants to laugh. People know how to dance. People need to eat and they need shelter. And so I think that the more basic elements of humanity are so much more powerful than the things that make us different. I also think that the things that make us different are fascinating. I love exploring those things and sharing them with people and making them appealing and and letting people know that the world isn't super scary all the time because a lot of the news that we get is that the world is scary. But actually, this is the time of greatest peace that mankind has ever experienced. So for all the things that might scare the hell out of you because you watch the news chances are you're much safer nowadays than you were a hundred or five hundred or a thousand years ago so it's a really cool time to be exploring where we have an opportunity to fly places what we could take super fast or super slow trains we could drive and it's all available to us i love that um also i've learned that the more that i think that I know, the less I know. So the more judgments that you make, the more opportunities you have to be wrong. So just accept that like there's a lot out there and you're a part of it. And that's cool. That's a good starting place. You don't have to know everything. Just be a part of it. And where can people find you again? What is there a website they can go check you yeah, out? Yeah, so Rachel Romes. That's my social media handle. It's also my website. So www.rachelromes.com. <laughs> Not my last name. It's just mm-hmm. still, you know, a little As player. in roaming the yeah, planet. Yeah, exactly. And then Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all at Rachel Romes. My weekly travel series is How to Travelers. So How Number Two Travelers can find us on youtube twitter instagram all that same stuff great well thank yeah, you it was, thank i'm glad you. you could make it today i am too thanks everybody thanks thanks Rachel.